I'm Sam Jones, the co-founder of Ooh. And I'm panicked about the future of retail. And your name is? Uh, Knut. Knut with a K. Yes. Nut, according to many of our guests. No E at the end. Say goodbye to Nut. (laughs) The uh, long time. Yeah. How you been, man? I'm not 60. But I am. I, so the thing about Facebook is, and I've known you since you were 30. How long did you think I've known you? When did you start ASU? We have known 20s? each other since we were 20. I was 28. So you were 28, so I was 18. Years, 32 I was years, 18. my man. No, I'm kidding. I'm 56. So you just turned 60. You look better than me, buddy. Well, thank you. I'll take that. And so I'm sitting on the couch, probably cutting my toenails, uh, <laughs> just uh, manscaping, just ear hair. And Alan looks over at me, repulsed as usual, <laughs> and took a little time out from yelling at me. And she said, it's Knut's birthday. Did you text him? And I'm like, fuck, is this what the world's become? It's, Ellen's got to remind me of my friend's death dates. I go, no, Knut does not want to be reminded that he's 60. She goes, you better fucking text him. I go, all right. Thanks, Ellen. I appreciate it. Does the text it. mean anything? Of course it means everything to me. But Ellen. does it mean less knowing that Ellen had to tell me and I didn't really no, want I to text her? I knew she did. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, that's not fake. It's, I'd rather just text Canute six days before and go, I think your birthday's coming up. Not that I remember that either, because I don't use Facebook. Are birthdays a big thing in Norway? Yeah, absolutely. And how do you say, what, how do you say happy birthday in Norwegian? Gratulerer med dagen. Hestekuk mir dagen? Exactly. That's exactly what Why is mir dagen? Why is a mir dagen? With the day, happy. Oh, dagen is day? With the day is what they say. Dagen is day? Doggin is the day, yes. And then how do you say dog? Day? Dog, day. <sighs> this is why you guys can't get ahead. English. Two words for you. English. Or well, one word. That's our problem in America. The, uh, we thought that was two words. The English literacy rate in Norway is higher than it is in Florida, so I don't know. No, you guys are smart. You're smart enough to take the oil from the Danish. <laughs> from the North Sea. You guys know how to spell that. Yes, we do. All right. So oil prices are booming. So has that been good for Norway? I would assume so. I hope so. Well, I miss you. And how's our studio coming? We have a studio coming in Scottsdale. How's that coming along? So we haven't gotten access to the So we're behind, you're saying. Just like everything on this podcast. Uh, 180 episodes in, we have a studio, but it's behind. Yeah, that's not up to me, though. Who are we going to blame? Who are we throwing under the bus? It's the... Tom. The renter. (laughs) Tom. It's Tom's fault. It's Robin Hood's fault. Yeah. The uh, It's payment for order flow's fault. You know whose fault it is? It's uh, GameStop's fault. It's uh, the Fed's fault. It's uh, Trump's fault. It's SPAC's fault. Boy, it's just it's the Web 3.0. It's blockchain's fault. But it's not our fault. So how many podcasts are we up to? Uh, we are up to about 185. Wow. And so when we started, March 2020, the world was in a panic. Yes. And here we are in early 2022, late 2021, whenever this will air. Isn't it amazing? Like, so then we just had the Comic-Con and the Omicron virus, or the Strand. 
And I'm reading today that this is the beginning of the end, finally. Although very viral and contagious, it's not killing people. If it's weak enough and spread fast enough, it'll be the end. Yeah. But Sounds this, like my sperm may, count. Yeah. This may not be it. <laughs> it's the end the of the Linsons, is yeah. what we're saying. It's like my sperm count. So, is anything different at 60? Do you find... Like, I was peeing next to you, and I was like, oh, my God, I think that guy's dead. Like, there was hardly anything coming out. Like, it made my stream sound like Niagara Falls. And then you came out, and I go, oh, Canute. It has you to really fall sound a lot your age. further. <laughs> It was like sand was falling into the toilet. <laughs> so, uh, how's the fam? They're good. Yeah? Yeah. They treat me a little differently now that I'm older, you know, with respect. And so, what does it feel like? We just had an exit in Robin Hood. Did you, uh, does it feel good? Or it feels it... good. It feels good. I wish the stock price was a little higher, but hey. That was a subtle complaint aimed no, at, dude, at uh, it was just the Fed, the SEC, the Fed, SEC mostly. Robin Hood, no, Tom. No, no, Our landlord. Shit happens. Shit happens. Well, that should be the name of our show, but this show is called Panic with Friends. And like I said, we started in March of 2020. And honestly, it was like locked in our my little studio with our house with Canute, no contact. Well, we broke every rule between you and I. We didn't give each other COVID. But um, here we are, and the world is uh, open. Or, no. Open-ish. Yeah, open-ish. And the only fear is we're looking for the next thing to be panicked about. It's funny. It's like people are dreading that like things are good. And obviously, they're not good for everybody. But uh, if you've been in my industry, the software industry, it's, it's fucking good. So... And we've had this guest on before, so uh, segue into uh, my guest today, Sam Jones, who, not related to Tom Jones, but English, and sounds super smart. Sam is uh, from the UK and the um, founder of Ooh, and that's five O's. And it is a uh, technology platform that helps brands and entrepreneurs share their products and services with customers through live, interactive, shoppable videos. And although it's not cool to say, it's, you know, China tech in a box, right? It's everything that Sam learned at TikTok and Wish uh, back as an MD in the day at Wish packaged for the rest of the world. And he's built this fast-growing company out of the UK. And generally, I don't have our own founders on the show, especially founders that aren't in the fund. But uh, Sam was introduced to me through my good friend Wayne in uh, Vancouver, who I've made money with. And... You know, I have this wide network of people. I don't just do startups. I don't just do stocks. I do weird things with my own money because um, I'm willing to speculate with my own money, not other people's money so much. And Wayne came to me with Sam and said, you got to meet Sam. You know, he's building this next generation of live shopping and he's doing it in a weird way. We're going to take it public in, in Canon. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Here's all the things wrong with doing that. So I can't invest through our fund, but uh, I'll invest personally. And so we're going to walk through how this all works, why he did it this way, how business is going, how live shopping is changing, because when he was on the last time, the, the direction was different. The company's been blowing up. But it is a public company in the, on the Toronto Venture Exchange. So he's got so much to share, not just about China and, and global shopping and app making, but how his product has changed and how the studio, how building kind of a media company like a modern QVC is happening in real time. So I don't want to delve too far into the past. Let's just talk about the future and what uh, Ooh is up to. So should we should we dial him? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Sam Jones. Hey guys, how are you, Howard? Good hey to buddy. connect. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. We talk on WhatsApp, so it feels like we're caught up. I see pictures of the studios being built around the world and the partnerships that you're launching. You know, if it doesn't happen in the United States, Americans are very much like, hey, if it's not happening in the United States, uh, please don't bother us. And mm. But the world is a big place. COVID was a big global fuck you to every system that uh, we thought uh, we trusted or distrusted. And you're in the middle of Manchester and you're dealing with, with all this you know, the trend was good, but then COVID happened. So tell me where U is today and what you guys are, are doing. Yeah, we're just under two years. I started it pretty much when the COVID crisis started. So we're, we're getting close to two years. So, yeah, I think I think we're 53, 54 people globally today. We've, we're pretty evenly split between Shanghai and the UK with a few other people dotted around. But uh, pretty much 25-ish in both locations and yeah, the, the company's changed massively. I mean, just to just to recap, there's been an explosion of video-based applications in China in in the last kind of five years. And I think if you looked at companies like Musically that became TikTok, that's part of ByteDance, you know, the, these are the most downloaded apps in the world. You know, I think TikTok's something like a billion videos a day generated on TikTok, and. I think the reason that China is so far ahead on mobile and and as part of that video applications is in the last 10 years, there's been this massive explosion in consumption upgrade, um, which, which basically means that people who never had a fridge, a motorbike, you know, a laptop, a desktop, they all now have a mobile. Huh. And because of that, all of these wacky applications just came out of nowhere in the last five, six years. So... I basically saw video applications, in particular video shopping applications, about five or six years ago in, in China. And, and I remember thinking the first time I saw these applications, like Taobao Live and Xiao and things like this. When I first saw these, I, I, I was so obsessed with how do we bring this to the West. Mm -hmm. And the real, the real measure of how far the West is behind China in mobile is that these video shopping applications are just starting to come to the West. Right. And, and they're not even good. And I'm not even using it yet. Like, I'm still on Instagram, which is terrible, but I'm shopping all day. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you know, building something from scratch has, you know, has a huge amount of benefits. So, yeah. so, so uh, you know, and I think there's a lot of platforms that, that, that just, you know, started off as, as messaging platforms or social media platforms, and now they're trying to put shopping on. I think we are very firmly a short video and live video application, but it is a shop, you know, it's a, it's a video mall. I think there's a whole bunch of other apps, including TikTok and Instagram and Pinterest, that are going to be doing shopping or are doing shopping through video. But the big question mark is, is the intent there like when, when you go on to instagram do you want to do you want to shop or or when you go on to tiktok are you looking for videos of dogs flying out of windows and people jumping off cliffs or, or, or are you going to shop and and maybe you will maybe you won't we'll soon find out but i think for us we're very firmly focused on every piece of content being shoppable uh, not to say the content can't be wild and entertainment um, of some form and and, and entertainment first and shopping second and all that sort of stuff. But 
we are a shopping app, period. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're kind of nearly two years into it. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing where we've got to, you know, huge, huge lessons along the way and lots of pivots, um, lots of days where you think, what, what are we doing? You know, what's the direction? But I think we're in a great, great position. And uh, Stripe's mission is to increase the GDP of the Internet. So you're a young company, and like you said, there's lots of pivots, but you always thought it was shopping first from your experience at, at Wish and in seeing shopping apps in China. You open up Ooh Today, and it's about live shopping, so I get that. Mm. Um, so is there a mission now? Like, is there more defined of, like, a North Star? If you if you think about QVC, you know such such pioneers in their day, you know they basically made a TV set shopping platform, you know back in the eighties, you know mm-hmm. which was which was super super crazy, you know there was no there was no medium to shop like that. But they they created this TV, and mm-hmm. but but you know my, my nanny used to say to me that she she thought QVC was great because there's no adverts. But of course, you know, uh, uh, and she she would she would she would watch it all day. Long, Nanny but, had a full garage of shit from QVC, but yeah, there was no adverts. She would watch it all day, and the only problem is when she talked to the TV, no one ever responded. Whereas in these, the nature of mobile video commerce is the person on the other end can and often is using a mobile. Mm. So the freedom that you have to create content anywhere you want. You know, whether that's hanging off a cliff in Yosemite or in a vineyard or in a fish market, you know, the content is wildly different. You're, you're not sat on a sofa selling a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. You know, so I think that I think this this makes it quite interesting. And then the second thing is because of the interactive elements, just because of how technology has evolved, you can interact. So the cons- it, it's many to many commerce. It's not one actor on a sofa to an, a big audience. It's. In China, there's millions of people doing this. So there's there's all kinds of different um, experts and categories and products that you can dive into. I think for us, you know, when you say, like, what's the North Star? I think probably naively, two years ago, I, I was so seduced by this enormous live stream economy, which this year they're saying is worth $3 billion. But the craziest statistic I've ever heard in my life is the one I'm about to tell you. And that is, there is a streamer in China called Austin Lee. And I think I mentioned him last time, but he worked on the beauty counter in a department store five plus years ago. You know, he was a retail worker. In China? And he ne- in China, in China. He now produces approximately one live show a day. He does about 400 live shows a year. And he's got a team of people around him who is assessing different products and he specializes in beauty and skincare he's known as the lipstick brother is his is his kind of nickname mm. um and he and and he did a show about two weeks ago in, in china and the show was 12 hours long which in itself is a cool stat but the better stat is he sold merchandise to the value of 1.7 billion dollars okay. in one show in one now, show, U.S. dollars or, or Wani Wands? U- U.S. dollars in one live show. Wow. Now, now to give you an idea, the beauty industry globally is worth about $500 billion. Hmm. He did $1.7 in one live show. Was there any of those facts? 
Yeah, you know, well, <laughs> listen, they reckon this guy. By the way, he's, he's lipstick daddy, or he's lipstick brother, and I'm, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm prostate daddy. I could probably sell a billion dollars worth of prostate products. I mean, that's China. Like, in America, I love what you just called it the live stream economy. I've heard so many different names for this, but China is a live stream economy. I don't know what the UK is, or maybe Latin America will be a live stream economy. Who's the next? country i think india is now into it too who's the closest country to the west that's a live stream economy i mean southeast asia is very good at this you know I, again because what, what's what's similar to india indonesia and china is huge population and consumption upgrade people all go straight to smartphone so so um, in china they've kind of skipped a few things you know they never really they had tv shopping but not at scale because right. Tier three, tier four cities just never could afford it. So if you look at Indonesia, just huge population and e-commerce and things like taxi and and, and uh, moped riding apps are just they're just wildly successful because the technology arrived at the right time. So the bet that we're making, and I'm very happy with our bet, is US and Europe is next. And we want to be the providers of that technology, but also infrastructure and when, when you said to me at the beginning of the call, what's the status? My biggest learning in the last six months, which is when I last spoke to you, I think, I thought, and this was stupid in a way, but I thought if I westernized an app on iOS and Android that allowed brands and retailers and entrepreneurs to make short videos and live videos where there was a button in the corner where you could shop, I thought stupidly it would fly. And I drove around the UK meeting with the best retailers, brands, lots of entrepreneurs, and I showed them our app. And as soon as you tell them there's a dude in China selling $1.7 billion in a live show, you have their attention. And if you don't have their attention, then they're not worth spending time with. But the, the mistake I made was thinking that they were ready to make live content. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can tell you there's like, a thousand stories of when we've right. tried to make live shows in a marketplace or an office and there's no Wi-Fi in some of these places. You know, they've got no lighting. There's no tripod. The presenters of a brand, uh, you know, just aren't up to doing a live show. And we totally underestimated how sophisticated the market was in terms of readiness for live streaming. So I, I think about six months ago, having done loads of, I'd, I'd almost call them disaster shows, you know, where the, the signal was so bad or the presenter just froze on screen. We had to sort of step away and say, we're going to need to provide the presenters and the studio, and we're also going to need to hire a shop fitter to build an amazing backdrop, like a set, like fit out a shop, like a mock shop. So we, we had to twist the company into being not just the provider of the tech, which eventually I think will commoditize somewhat to actually saying we've got a studio, we've got all the cameras, we've got producers, we've got creatives, we can build you a set because it's very easy to make content that's live, that sucks, that, that's like that yeah. can actually in, in five minutes destroy your brand. Yeah. And actually we, we should be thinking more along the lines of how do we make a live piece of content that tells people about your brand that shares how crazy uh, amazing your company is. So I think the technology we built very, you know, reasonably quickly about 15 months. And even now, every Thursday we do a new release and the, the app is, you know, really in good shape. 
and the, the merchant center that sits behind it. But we, ha- we have had to become a production company. So w- w- what I mean by that is, firstly, we've moved the center of gravity of the UK business to, to Manchester, which is nor- northwest of the UK and traditionally a big kind of trading hub. Um, lots of kind of retailers are based in and around here. So I felt we needed to be literally in the same square mile of these big retailers. And because it was just an excuse to doing live commerce if you weren't in proximity with them. And secondly, we've had to hire producers, videographers, creatives into the business. So we've hired probably 15 people in that sort of space. And then we've, the, the, really the fun part has been We've, we've taken three spaces in the UK, which are recording studios. So I like to think we're almost building the Truman Show. We've rented a 20,000 square foot warehouse in Manchester, which was previously a laboratory for a big pharmaceuticals company. And we've smashed it to pieces and we're building lots of sets, kind of like kitchens and a sneaker room and a, a bar um, a catwalk, you know, lots of different spaces where I can allow people to come and sell their products. And um, in a way, this is kind of like half Hollywood, half QVC. And in there is, you know, very strong Wi-Fi, makeup rooms, you know, like an ecosystem for this live stream economy. Can you teach vendors to be live teachers or has it got to come from ooh? Well, no, it's a great question. I mean, had I been a bit more patient and studied the Chinese economy a bit more in this space, I would have realized there's not just the app, but there is a whole ecosystem in China of training companies who are training hundreds of thousands of people a year to be not only the presenters or the hosts, but also the people who are operating the, you know, the data around a live show. You know, what makes a product successful in a live show? How do you upsell, cross-sell? all this sort of stuff. So there's public companies in China that are doing this. And then the second thing is there's studios where there's hundreds and hundreds of shows a day being made, you know, at scale. Um, And then there's, then there's agencies that just handle the talent, you know, the presenters or the key opinion leaders, they're called. Um, So had I have spent a bit more time studying the way China does it, not, not to say everything in China will work in the West, but what I've learned painfully in some ways is we have to, in the UK, and then going international, we've had to build the studios, the cameras, the people, you know, the space, the branded sets, the training, had to build all of that. But the idea of the space, to your point, is yes, they can come to our space and do shows, but the goal is to train them that they can then go back to their own operation and and make content, which, you know, is, is great for us because it's not, it's not costing us time and space. But I think... I think the, a really interesting thing is in the last 10 years, because of Mark Zuckerberg's amazing advertising networks, marketing departments have basically become ad buying units. You know, as long as you've got a credit card and a junior marketer, you, you, you've got a marketing department. And as soon as you say to someone, here's a microphone, tell everyone about your company, this, it's, it's, it's alarming how many people don't know what to say because they're they're so reliant on buying ads. And I think as soon as you get a fashion company or a sneaker company who go and make an amazing live show, I think it's going to change the game and everyone's going to start to realize. And I think that moment's in the next 12 months where somebody in the drinks industry will say, 
did you see what that company just did live from that vineyard or that beer company? Or did did you see that Nike event they just did live? And I think it's just going to set a new standard in in the way sort of brands communicate. So, Well, Red um, Bull's done it. Nike has done it across so many platforms. But you're right. That's just the beginning. I think so funny because America led on TV, right? Like QVC was the internet before the internet invented in the United States. Like no one thought... QVC was like, oh, my God, get me on QVC. And I tell the story all the time because Knut and I were involved with the best-selling QVC Hall of Fame product. Back then, it was like, if you got on QVC, that was the internet. But the internet yes. worked directly just for you, and it had one channel, and it was explosive. And now we're at the opposite end with Livestream and Shopify and Amazon and whatever the competitors are around the world, Grab or, or whoever they are, where... Like you said, QVC, when it's more about how do you build it in a box for everybody. So the thing is mobile, for sure. I think you're right, and you have to learn this because it's easy to just take for granted that China, you, no one understood the depths of, of the amount of people and the amount of people focus on different things, that the, the pipeline of talent and the amount of energy focused on live stream. Everybody just thinks, oh, there's TikTok, so they figured it out, but they don't realize all the iterations that came before TikTok within China. We're only seeing the first winner out of China. So so the rest of the world is behind because the U.S. doesn't even have a TikTok competitor yet. Correct. So I think for us, we decided quite early on, let's build. Now we've got the tech and now we've got the studio. Let's go and build a video mall. You know, that that's what we're building, isn't it? So... We've basically gone after the biggest player in the UK in sport, which is a company called JD Sports, the biggest fashion company, which is a company called Boohoo with a whole bunch of companies in them, the biggest kind of beauty and wellness group in commerce called the Hut Group. And, and, all, and all, of these, all of these companies have hundreds and hundreds of brands within them. You know, certainly in the case of the Hut Group, they've got probably a thousand brands. So we went for these big, fat anchor tenants where maybe the margins aren't great for us, but you give that kind of cornerstones to the mall. And that's what we've been very focused on. And But where I see um, sort of video commerce going eventually is it's fine to sell, you know, Nike and, and, and Hugo Boss and all this stuff. But if you can stream live from anywhere, like what, what does that actually mean? It, it means that you can make a live show as the sun goes down on a beach selling Bacardi, or, or you can sell wine from Tuscany, um, or, or you can be in a factory in China as the new drone is being tested and is about to be sold. Everything I'm learning is telling me that eventually you probably need to build a hotel in China for all of these amazing storytellers to sleep in and have a great week. And they need to sit next to some of the coolest products in the world because that is really where this is heading. And I'm talking you know, five, 10 years out, but it's, it's incredibly efficient. If you're going from anywhere to anyone, mobile to mobile, video commerce, then eventually you need to get closest to the innovation at the source of the product. And you need to tell a very honest story about what that product looks like. And that's probably going to do away with lots of brands because you're seeing the collapse of many middlemen. But you know that's, that's a little way off. When you say what's the North Star, that's that's eventually where we go to the connection of the best products from the source.
you've figured out all this, but now let's talk about business model, because as you were figuring out this, and I don't doubt that mm-hmm. you've, you've gotten it right, let's go back to my first concerns when I looked at the company, and you're an entrepreneur, so you, you knocked down walls, and I was like, you know, is used to doing some things one way, the UK have their own way to trade stocks, and they like penny stocks, mm-hmm. and everything's in pence. And now we've got the rise in the last two years of the token and crypto and blockchain economy. And in a world, and I, I've seen this happen in, because I made, just made a tiny personal investment through a friend in Chingari, which is kind of a TikTok Indian clone. And it's working supposedly, I mean, it's working in the charts and in the app store, but it's working because, you know, India banned TikTok. Yep. So a fast follower could take hold. And that excited me, even though it doesn't have all the features. And then what Chingari did, and I was just talking to the founder and I'll have him on the podcast, what Chingari did, and I'm sure they're way behind you, but they've built it on top of a token. Is that something you think about or it's just like, fuck, I'm tired and this is how we're going to do it and it's going to be a public company and we're going to make profits and that's how it's going to go? Or are you thinking about how all those mechanics now work in the token economy, which didn't come out of China, which is anti-China in many ways, is what we're learning. They're scared of their own shadow at many levels. Um, so how do you think about that? Yeah, so firstly, on the, on the revenue side, um, I think we've got four very clear streams of revenue. And on the kind of cryptocurrency piece, I'll, I'll, I'll come on to that. that. Maybe that's a fifth, I don't know. I'm still trying to process it. But in, t- in terms of how we make money and you know, how we're sort of structuring our business, the UK business, which has been live in the app stores for 12 months pretty much to, to the week, we're basically a marketplace model in so much as we say to clients, list your products on our platform as a short video, a live video broadcast or a regular listing, and we'll charge you between 5 and 15% of every transaction that's made. That's, that's basically the, the model. So it's a UK video marketplace, you can mm-hmm. say. And for me, the UK business, because it takes you a while to figure these things out. That, that's the scary thing, but also the great thing of going first. It grows like grass initially because you're trying to get people in and you're trying to show people a new way to shop and so on. But that's the first way that we have made any money at all. And we, we, we have live shows now every single day. And we our best-selling show, I think, has sold 35,000 pounds of products um, and that was a fragrance show. We've had other shows where we've done great things live and we've sold nothing. In terms of our second stream of business, we didn't know it existed until we were approached three months ago by TikTok. And TikTok um, and their leadership in China, they approached us and said, hey, guys, we want to come to the UK and we want to launch TikTok shop, but we need some studios some cameras, some production team, and some presenters. Can you help us? And for me, this was a you know, it's a big decision. You know, my co-founders from TikTok were all aware of their size and their ambitions and their and their kind of value. But do we really want to be helping a company that is in this space? And my view was, there's going to be so many people in this space in in two years' time, and if we can collect some cash from a partner like TikTok. And they can use our platform, meaning studios and cameras, that could give us a chance to grow to having 100 studios. So as of today, we're making many shows a week for TikTok, where basically they're using our infrastructure and we're pushing content into TikTok shop, which is essentially 
live videos in the TikTok app. Sometimes we're making content in our studios and we push them into Ooh, our own app, and TikTok at the same time. We've, we've figured how to do that, which, you know, for the, from a brand's perspective is interesting because they're getting multiple eyeballs on one live show, which is exactly how it works in China. So we charge uh, TikTok for this, you know, a few thousand dollars every single live show. And we also participate in a percentage of the sales that we make. And I think as well, by doing this for TikTok, it's making us fitter. It's making us sharper. You know, it's challenging our studio space, our lighting, our camera work. Um, but in doing this in the last 90 days, which, you know, has been intense and in some ways a distraction, it, it's, it's created this second revenue stream, which is basically us being a multi-platform provider of live streaming content. And not for us, but for someone else, almost made as an agency. And this is very, very scalable. And I've already got multiple other um, social media and e-commerce platforms saying to us, can you help us with live streaming? So nobody has the square footage that we have in the UK. And I'd like to take that model of the uh, studio across Europe very soon. Now, the third revenue source for us, and I touched upon this last time we spoke, is we've basically built, as you said at the beginning of the call, China in a box. We've got short videos, live commerce, gamification, viral mechanics, all in a mobile. It's like a, it's like a box of tricks from Shanghai. And we've launched it into the UK, but we've had lots of companies who've seen what we're doing or heard what we're doing from people like you. And they've contacted us and said, hey, we've got a commerce company. We have an app or a website, but we're pretty frightened by this phenomenon in China where this dude's doing $1.7 billion in a live show. Do you have the tech for that? And we said, yeah, we've just spent two years of hell building it. And they said, well, would you like to partner with us in Brazil or in South Africa or somewhere else? So we've now got a small team of people who are taking our tech and licensing it to partners in other parts of the world. And we've done this so far into Brazil. We're kind of four months into Brazil with a, a wonderful company called B2W, which is a public company in, in Brazil, four or $5 billion marketplace. And that's live, kind of heading towards 200,000 installs. I, I watched a live show two nights ago where they were selling Harry Potter books. You know, they're selling everything under the sun. Is that through, under the um, B2W app or is that under OO? It's called OO in Brazil. Great. So it's... Uh, we, we agreed that that would, we'd fold in the tech, they'd fold in their people, their studios, their marketing spend, and that's a kind of 50-50 initiative. But under the OO brand? That's under the OO brand. So that's good. Today we've, and I, I can't say too much about this one, but today we've announced that we're going to be launching in Italy, which is your favorite place. Um, we're going to be launching in Italy with one of my favorite companies in history, QVC. Right. QVC are, are very interested in mobile video commerce. They're obviously leaders in the creation of shoppable content. And not only do they understand retail, they understand production. All of the shit that I went through a year ago, driving around the country, trying to hold up a ring light and a Wi-Fi booster while we made a show, these guys have been making shows for 30 years. So they're interested in our technology to take to one of their markets. They're in obviously US, Japan, Germany, UK, and many others. But uh, we're launching it in Italy, and that will launch in early 2022. 
and uh, and then we'll launch South Africa as Ooh South Africa in February of 2022, which is another great market for us. Um, very high mobile penetration, and that will be a Cape Town-based studio. So this this is the third way we make money, which is we take a stake in a new business, we fold in the technology, the partner folds in the lion's share of the capex, and we're we're, we're live in a marketplace. And I think there's a lot of people who are going to want this style of commerce, and not everyone is going to bow to Instagram shop. You know, they're going to want their own version of this new yeah. style of shopping. Curious, QVC. How does an Italian pr- pronounce QVC? Do they go QVC, or do they just they just say it quickly like an American would? I, I couldn't even dare to embarrass myself. <laughs> so I like this model. Now, so what, how much have you raised? We raised six million US in the very beginning um, to kind of get us through the first um, year and a bit, and then as part of the reverse takeover, we we folded this UK company and the China company that we have. We folded all of that into a listed company or a shell called Evermount. And as part of that, going public onto the exchange in, in Canada, we raised a further 15. So pretty lean. Canadian, Canadian. Yeah, so say. pretty lean by U.S. venture standards. What kind of headache has that been like? Because you're run, now running two products. You're running Ooh and all the partnerships and revenue and headaches associated with that. And now you have... Not that you look at the stock price, but now you have this public price and it's a different product. It's what people perceive the value of the company to be. Is there extra pressure there or extra headaches or costs or like, how is that? I think I was so um, convinced of, of this kind of new economy and new way of shopping that I found it very, very frustrating dealing with VCs. For me, the kind of overwhelming summary of the, the VC discussions I had globally was, we love this category, but we need to see a year's worth of data. And I, and I said, well, there's five years' worth of data in China. You know, guys, don't miss this. Yeah. And I found the Canadian public path refreshing because it, it allowed us to move quickly. And the TSXV have been great to deal with. We've got good partners there. Um, I, I kept a board member on, Joanne, from the previous company who... She's on the board of a NASDAQ company, and she's helped us kind of navigate the investment community. So it's, it's definitely something we're still learning, but I, I don't see it as a, as a burden. I, in fact, I think this whole story of the rethink in retail, the, the kind of expression of brands through video, I think that's a story that we should tell publicly. Yeah. You know, even today, we announced, we announced this bit of news with QVC. I think there's going to be 100 stories like that. And I kind of like the idea we're going to, tell the story publicly i think i mentioned to you last time we're making a documentary about this company you know it's a it's a it's a netflix or an amazon prime style fly on the wall which is i mean the guy maybe may as well be filming it a roller coaster because you know one day we're up the next day we're down then we're heading there and someone's done this and um but but i i think that's the modern day company now people want to see the the personality and the and the, and the story behind the scenes. And um, I think for us, it's, um, it's a real advantage. So I, I just did my first trip to Canada since we went public. I've been back two or three weeks. I did Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, 13 days. And um, people are very open to hearing about new models. I think it's probably easier to raise money in Asia than it is to raise money in North America in this category because it is so new. 
But I also think that's the opportunity. You know, once people start to connect the dots with with this space in the next few years, they're gonna they're gonna get excited about it. And so, what's the market cap of the company? The the market cap of the company is around sixty million Canadian dollars. Wow. So if someone wants to speculate, the ticker is O O O O. Four O's. They wouldn't give us five O's. You know, our uh, our company's is five O's dot com. Um, but um, don't type in six O's. It's some sort of uh, anti-China website. But um, <laughs> for, but but the, the TSXV said we can only have four O's. So uh, it's U dot V. Or if you want to buy in the US, it's U with four O's dot F. Oof. Oh. Which I don't think sounds quite as good, but. Oof. I say that a lot about stocks that have blown up. I'll go on stock tips and I'll go oof. I don't know. It's probably not nice that I do that, but uh, so that's pretty cool. So you're living this public life. Um, we saw that happen on that. Uh, when was that Netflix documentary about the uh, that event that went wrong? But they had all the footage because yeah, they yeah. documentary. Yeah, so people fire, like seeing is it fire, fire festival, fire, <laughs> fire festival, festival. Not to jinx you, but that's what made it so genius. Uh, yeah. For them, and also so horrific for them, is that they fucking knuckleheads filmed it. You are yes. filming the actual building of a company in real time, which yeah. is really cool. It hasn't been done since the yes. 90s. Uh, well, the 3D printing companies had, a, there was a, some cool documentaries about the 3D printing companies, but I haven't seen anything cool recently, so I'm excited about that. So, uh, well, it's fun to catch up. Do, do, do you know the, the office is supposed to look real? but it's actually a joke. Some days our company looks like a joke, but it's actually real. Most startups. Listen, as someone who has started a hundred things, if you, thank let God I you, didn't, me, thank God I didn't document stock tweets because I'd be in a thousand lawsuits for how I treated people. Not like me but too, me, but just me, yelling and screaming and carrying on. Um, but not, not, not anything against the people who wanted me to me. But, uh, you know, you, you basically only have me for screaming. But you're right. Most startups look like The Office, but actually are trying to be real, whereas The Office was a spoof of everything. Let me tell you where I think the real money is, though, because I think I've told you three of the four revenue streams. So firstly, launching the UK as a marketplace Secondly, and you're doing well there, right? Like that's doing well. Yeah, yeah, we've we've got, you know, a who's who of the sellers. Yep. Um, you know, from the biggest guys in fashion and beauty and sports. So I think that's up and running and then secondly, use your infrastructure, meaning your studios, your people, your cameras and sets to 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 help other people embrace this live stream economy and don't be so uptight about other people coming in. Actually, try and be the ecosystem of this space. Try and be the work of live stream production. Uh-huh. And, and I, think, I think that's a really nice business, especially as we take it across Europe. And then thirdly is form these partnerships, which some of them will be equity. Some of them will be, we might just say, pay us a you know, million dollars a year for the technology. The, as soon as we get to 20 or 30 partners, and we've already got the UK plus three, but I've got another seven in the pipe. As soon as we've got you know partners in Canada and Spain and France and Russia, you've got a company as a partner with huge distribution, warehousing, logistics. We're saying to these partners, by the way, if we discover a crazy product from China, 
or Taiwan or someone like this, maybe like a drone which flies without any remote control and will do God knows what, can I launch this from China into your market? And, and by the way, we're sort of saying to people, that's a condition of the partnership. And so I, I believe where there is the most money in the fullness of time is if we can have 40 partners all using our code base and giving them this new video commerce surface, I think we've got very, very low capex global distribution for some products from the East. But not only that, we're just launching in Italy in, in Q1. There's some pretty decent handbags in Italy. In Brazil, you've got some nice gym wear and bikinis. You know, so you can start to see how each node of the network starts to kind of communicate one to one to another. So that, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that's kind of where I see this going is in the fullness of time, you, you become this kind of China to the world marketplace. And of course, some, some inter, inter-network partner selling as well. But I think that's, um, that's super interesting. I have thought about, because I know you brought it up, the kind of the token piece. I have thought about an OO token, which, and, and, you know, like all these things, if, if it can have a utility, it, it helps. So I think if you make a live show on OO, we give you 10 OO tokens. It, you know, if you recommend another brand who starts selling, you get a new token. And this token has some kind of value that you can spend or cash in. But it, we're not really, you know, yeah, you haven't you haven't built it from the ground up, and that is the key. It's the stuff, so you don't want to waste your your cycles. Your you, you know, there's only so much you can do at once. But uh, well, congrats on this. It's fun to catch up always because, like you said, I was a child of the QVC, not not a tech person, and I had a huge successful product from my partner Mark on on QVC, and then the what internet. Did you sell? I was a product called the Grip. It was a stress ball. It's in the QVC Hall of Fame. It was like a well, it was basically a, a private label product that people could just squeeze in their hand. It became a very popular stress and uh, promotional product where people would put their corporate logos on it at the right place, right time, as the drug industry was, as as trade shows were booming in the 90s, pre-internet, um, trade shows were the thing to get tech out there, Comdex, CES, so you had, and then yep. you had all the drug, you know, the 90s drug companies booming, Pfizer, et cetera, selling products. So they would order hundreds of thousands of these with their logo and give them away at trade shows. So we caught that yeah, boom. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So I've always been interested in live shopping, but I don't know tech. So I'm excited that uh, I get to participate and watch this. And if people want to fart around with uh, one to 10 grand, now they have a way on uh, the TSX venture to go buy a thousand shares or, or to follow your, your story and keep track of the news and download the app and you know buy some stuff i think etsy is probably the closest but it's pre-video right where like a bikini person or a craftsperson from africa or a bikini man you know a producer in brazil could have an etsy store but this well, is more you, you building the channels i think you just said two really powerful words which is private label for your stress ball you know everyone with any following should have a private label product and you know, George Foreman did it with huge success. The Kardashians are very good at it. Yeah, good but, point. You know, the, but, but anyone with any following should have their own private label products. And such, you know, there's a huge ability now to source that, put your mark on it. And if we can sit in the middle while these people market these products through video, we take a lot of their users. We help this person become an entrepreneur and hopefully successful doing so. And, um, you know, I think, I think you're going to see that in this Shopify generation. You know, people... 
people are um, they're figuring out a way to create their own brand. And if uh, I think the next evolution of that is, is video uh, to, to share it. Well, thanks, my man. I'll let you go. It's late there in the UK. Um, say hi to the Wayne man. Is, and uh, how many people are you in now at? What's the employee count? 54. 54. Well, you're doing it. Proud of you. Uh, keep cranking. Uh, hit me up if you need anything, and uh, I'll see you soon. Thank you both, guys. I appreciate it. Talk to you. Thanks, Sam. Bye-bye. So there you have it, Sam Jones. I think I was well-behaved. No dentist you, jokes, no English jokes, no crumpet jokes, no queen jokes. You did good today. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed. But he's more on point. You see the iterations. The show is a little bit all over the place because that's me. And we're not panicking right now, so I might as well have my friends on. And yeah. it's fun to catch up because when we first talked to him, I got off and I was like, this is early days and he's running around and COVID. And he understood video just as well as anybody but doesn't mean the rest of the world understands it the way China does. So it feels like it's a, a better vision of, of what the future looks like, but the product's great. I, as, a, a, ooh, as someone who's watched the app develop, it's a good app. So now it's a question of will the market bear fruit? So this it's is exciting. a crazy interesting company. Very interesting. Crazy interesting vision. And Rome is not built in a day. No. And you need people like this to build it. So happy 60th. Thank you, my friend. And, uh, Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, you are listening to Panic with Friends with Howard Lindzen and Knut Jensen. I'm the younger guy. We are here to talk with uh, founders, investors, venture capitalists, friends, just people who like to keep us a little bit ahead. Six hours, six months, six weeks. You don't have to be six years ahead of the curve. You just have to find good people. You have to find good mentors, and then you have to tune out the noise. So you can find me on Spotify. Just search my name, Howard Lindzen. It works also if you search Handsome. I think our podcast comes up. Yeah, I think so too. That's right. And uh, I'm hoping if I say prostate enough, you can search prostate on Spotify and <laughs> see my by name. By now you can, yeah. <laughs> or Kvetch or Panic. Probably, you probably could search Panic and maybe find us. I'm going to test that when I get off. But uh, Panic with Friends, and you subscribe, you'll get one a week. Uh, thanks, Knut. Thanks, StockTwits, for uh, sponsoring and distributing it. And we'll see everybody soon. Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.